Welcome to show notes on fuckers, sub fuckers, euro fuckers, on canuckers, down, under, and kiwi fuckers, pitch, panic, bottle, swag, and prestige fuckers. As our unfucking universe expands, we want to welcome listeners, new and old, to this week's edition of show notes, where we respond to listener feedback and ramble a bit about what's happening in the world around us. First note of the day is to extend our deepest gratitude to Danny Bessner and Derek Davison for appearing on the show this week for the inaugural edition of Phone a Friend. Danny and Derek, of course, from the incredible podcast American Prestige. You can follow them on Substack as well, or you can sign up for Derek Davison's pretty substantial Substack, Foreign Exchanges, a great newsletter that I recommend everybody get. Anyway, for the uninitiated, here are a few things about unfucking the Republic to help navigate the feed. For regular unfuckers, we have an update on this week's drop as well. So, first off, Typically, every Saturday, we have a drop that we call our full unfucking. Deep dives into a single issue that helps explain the American predicament, largely from a socioeconomic perspective. We have a few other concepts that we sprinkle in, such as show notes, which you're in right now. We used to do these at the end of the full unfuckings, but the feedback was continuing to grow, so we decided to split it out into its own thing. We also have smaller, more focused episodes, such as quickies, where we examine a trending topic from three separate angles. Or Topical Cream, a short 15-minute hot take on something that's bugging us. And as you heard this week, we've introduced Phone a Friend to bring other voices into the show that have specialties beyond our comfort zone. We're launching a new concept toward the end of the summer that will kind of round out the show for the foreseeable future, so more on that as we get closer to it. And that, my unfucking friends, is us. My name is Max, and I'm joined every episode by the great and powerful 99 producer extraordinaire. And behind the proverbial glass, though located in a galaxy far, far away, otherwise known as Atlanta, is Manny Faces, the greatest engineer in said galaxy. We're supported by listeners who purchase native-roasted organic fair trade coffee in partnership with the Unkachog Nation members on the Puspatuck Reservation in New York. Proceeds from the sale of this unparalleled coffee goes to support the show and the good people of native coffee traders. And we're supported by members of the show who sign up for a few perks depending on their membership tier. Information on that can be found at buymeacoffee.com slash UNFTR. And the actual native roasted coffee can be purchased at UNFTR.com slash shop. Lastly, if you're not already following us on Substack, come on over. It's free to join as we've made a commitment to keep all of the content free. Everything that we do, whether it's on the pod or it's the written word on Substack, everything totally free and accessible to the public. Go to unftr.substack.com and you get all of the essays the episodes are based on emailed directly to you every Saturday morning. Now, as far as this week's schedule, I need to beg your indulgence and forgiveness in advance. We have a topical cream dropping on Saturday because the episode that I'm in the middle of writing right now won't be ready in time and I've been distracted by the topic that you'll hear about on Saturday. So it's a short one, I know, but the full unfucking, I promise, will be worth the wait. So with that, Let's get to the feedback from the past couple of weeks. And we'll start with emails. This one is on the phone a friend episode from Gene, who says, I know your two friends on this episode are professional historians and I'm just a complete nobody. Gene, nobody is a nobody. You hear me? You are an unfucker. You can stand up and be heard and be recognized. And that's why we're doing this. But I have to disagree with them on the U.S. continuing the war on Ukraine. Because one, it's going to cause more people to die no matter which side they're on. And two, deep down, we know nothing can be stopped until we get rid of the main problem. 
Now, later in the email, Gene says, Bush and Obama at least went after Saddam Hussein and Osama bin Laden. And thanks to them, their enterprises did go down for a while. But the only reason they rose back up is because we did not help the people get back on their feet and support them and their families. We just let them left them out to dry. We could have stayed to help cultivate the land, rebuild their homes, and find back all of their artifacts they lost thanks to the war that should not have existed in the first place. So, Gene, I don't want this to come off as deeply critical of your sentiments here. I just want to address two quick things. I think on the first note that you had about where Derek and Danny landed in our interview, when they said that the United States is willing to fight to the last Ukrainian, I think that that was really the big takeaway from their policy stance and that whether we intervene or we do not, there's going to be massive bloodshed and we have to start asking ourselves, where do we want to intervene? What is the U.S. role? What is the U.S. strategic interest in a region? And then we also have to understand that the person on the other side of the table, in Vladimir Putin, has publicly stated out loud that he is willing to engage in nuclear war. That is the big equalizer. You remember Danny responding to me when I was talking about the economic interdependence between nations not necessarily being a viable way to keep them out of protracted engagements or military engagements. And his answer to that was the game changer between, let's say, 1914 and 2022 is the fact that we have nuclear weapons, we have nuclear proliferation, and people, actors in the world that are theoretically willing to use them. So that is the big game changer. And so the military industrial complex arming Ukrainians to the teeth and then reloading them constantly over the next several years will do just that. It will put the money in the pockets of the war machine in the United States. It will lead to mass casualties on both sides. And this is a no-win situation. And what you're suggesting, I think, in part two of your sentiment is that we should more aggressively intervene on the side of Ukraine. So it gets back to that first question. Is that in our interest or are we doing this from a pure humanitarian perspective? Because if it was just a humanitarian, we are the world's policeman perspective, there are multiple conflicts in the world and humanitarian crises. Again, what's happening in, again, in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and what's happening in Rwanda. We could look at multiple flare-ups in the global south. We could look at the issue in Israel-Palestine. We could we could intervene all over the world. We could, at some point, maybe intervene when China goes too far with Taiwan. The question is, how much of this is in our interest? What is our role? Why do we always believe that we are at the center of every equation? And if you look back over the past 50 years, which is their larger point, can you point to a lot of situations that worked out well? You pointed to two situations, one being our hunt for Osama bin Laden, who was technically a person without a country. So that wasn't a war, but we made it a war between nation states when we obviously took over Afghanistan and took over Iraq. Ousting Saddam Hussein because he was a bad person. There are many, many bad people around the world, but if we go by our litmus test of who is a good and a bad leader, with all of the interventions that we've started and initiated throughout history, I'm sure that there are many countries around the world that would believe that we are the world's terrorist and that we are the biggest bad actor that there is. And by that same logic, they should intervene and take us over and wipe us out and kill our president. That same logic applies. So if we go into a territory like we've covered over and over and over again on this show, 
and take over a country, does that then give that country the right in retaliation to come and just try to overthrow the United States? So we have to be very careful when we talk about our interventions abroad as justifying our proclivity to continue these type of interventions. But I thank you for the email. I really appreciate you writing in. And why don't we continue on? We actually have some feedback from the Amazon episode, and we'll get into that now. By the way, I should say I am rambling here as though I'm alone because I forgot up top to say welcome to 99, who's been, well, actually put all of this stuff together. So hi, 99. Hi. I didn't think I'd be rambling for that long. So that's uh, okay. I, I, I 12 apologize. minutes to be exact. Is that right? Well, well it won't be 12 it, minutes by yeah. the time we get to it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was a do over. A little bit. A little bit. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm okay. I slept for 11 hours last night. And I think I slept for nine, so... There we go. Yeah. Together for a full 20 hours. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Sometimes you got to do that. I could have slept for more. I think I could have as well. I can literally sleep all day. Like, if no one wakes me up, I can sleep till four. I'm not exaggerating. I was like that at your age. Nowadays, it's very rare that I would sleep any, you know, for a longer period of time. I don't know. I feel like that's something I should have grown out of by like 20. You know, it's like, okay. I am a working adult in the world. I should probably not want to sleep till four. Your brain is always moving, though. And I think when it finally, finally just puts the brakes on, then you can sleep for a long time. That's it true. It makes sense. Yeah, it's it's when it's quiet in there, mm-hmm. except for my extraordinarily vivid dreams that I constantly have. Which you were kind enough not to relay to me. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks. Do you want to hear it now? I love your glasses, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. They're green. They are green. Same shape, though. Yes. But they're very green. Yes. I like them. My other ones were tortoise. Right. So completely different. Yes. He's compensating because he didn't notice. He also didn't notice my hair is different. And I love your hair. Looks great. (laughs) Thank you. How's it different? I got my roots done. (laughs) So getting into the Amazon episode feedback, Derek R., perhaps the second... Do you think we have two Derek R's? It now? was Derek R, same last name, different spelling. Come on. I know. And and Derek R the first usually emails in, and this Derek R uses the contact form, which leads me to believe it's a completely different person. Wow. Two Derek R, same name. Well, Derek, this Derek it's a homophone. R. Homophone. Homonym? Same. Onomatopoeia? No. Same word, different spelling, <laughs> different meaning. Is that a homophone? I don't know. Or is that a homonym? Hamana, hamana, hamana. Why aren't you helpful? Oh, because I'm a useless person. While you look that up, I'm going to read what Derek R. sent in. <laughs> and it. <laughs> wow. I just realized how close the spelling of. <laughs> and how close on the keyboard the B and the N are, so I Googled homophobe. Oh, so wait, Derek R. is a homophobe? No. What are you doing? They're the same word. Who is? Homophone and homophobe. They're one letter apart and they're next to each other in the keyboard. Who did that? <laughs> two two or more words having the same pronunciation but different meanings. So I was correct in my initial one. Okay. It's a homophone. Not a homophobe. Or a hominin. No. Or a homina 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 homina. No, continue. All right. So Derek R, perhaps the second Derek R, the homophobe, said you guys <laughs> mentioned that from the record. <laughs> Since you guys mentioned Trader Joe's at the end of Amazon Part 2, here's an interesting tiny rabbit hole. Pirate Joe's, a store that operated one location near my house for a few years, 
Everything is relative, I suppose, because Trader Joe's is the big meanie in this story. So Derek goes on to tell a little bit of story about Pirate Joe's, which I'm guessing is right across the border from Seattle in Canada. It's actually an interesting story. There's a few articles on it, and I won't go into it, but we'll maybe... Can we link one of the articles in show notes for people to see? Sure. Yeah. Do you want to give a, a quick summer, a quick TLDR? Yeah. So the bottom line is they wanted a Trader Joe's in Canada so badly that they would send people across the border to buy things and then stock this pirate supermarket up in Vancouver area. So to try and convince Trader Joe's to come there, but then Trader Joe's just like fought them every step of the way instead of being like, hey, there's a lot of demand here, which is really why they wanted them. They just wanted a Trader Joe's. They fought them and fought them until they finally got their pirate grocery store shut down. And they're still to this day, according to what I looked up, still not a Trader Joe's anywhere in Canada. So, hey, Trader Joe's, don't be a dick. Just go to Canada. Give the people what they want. So at Trader Joe's, they have like different brands. You know, I think they've shut some of them down because of racial insensitivities. Like, like it would be like, like Trader Jose for like Mexican food and stuff like that. So what would the Trader Canada one be? If they were going to sell poutine. Trader who? Trader Hockey. Trader Hortons. Trader Maples. Trader Gretzky. Everything in Ontario is named after Wayne Gretzky. There's other places in Canada. Trader Trebek. Oh, Trader Mounties. That's cute. Except for like the cop love, but that's all right. What? I have a cousin who's a Mountie. Okay, cool. I have a cousin who's a lawyer. What do you want? <laughs> you want to trade? Oh, I love my cousin. Um, He's fine, mine. Anyway, cute story. But let's continue. We've got feedback from Becca. What did they say? So Becca says, 99, like you, I boycott Amazon and have not used them in at least five years. I was so upset to hear that Goodreads is Bezos's and I immediately went and deleted my account. Then I also saw that they own IMDb, which was my go-to site for movie stuff, but that's over now as well. I don't use Audible, but that's also his. That's a tough one, because I, I do use IMDb, so you got me there. But where else am I going to go? I'm going to scroll through Wikipedia? It's so much work. Yeah, and I, IMDb actually gets it right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the accepted... What's the point of owning IMDb, though? I mean, you can have like a... They have, they have paid subscriptions, I think. For what? For what? For what? <laughs> for what? Why, for what? what? For what? You, what? You fucking need to pay for it. It's an eye. Oh, you got to know who that fucking key grip was? Yeah, I want to know who the best boy was. I, I thought you were the best boy is. I think you might have to be pay for IMDb to like put your listings in there, like if you're an actor. So I think there's that aspect of it. I guess you can post on forums. I don't know. My recently viewed, I just see it, it's something. I looked up Matilda, mm. you know, an actor from a Hallmark movie. So yeah, so make, they're <laughs> making a they're making another Matilda. It's the musical. And I, thought, I know what it is, but I thought we were, I thought I'd have an ally in this. So I slacked 99. I was like, isn't this bullshit? And she's like, what's bullshit about it? I was like, they're remaking a perfect movie. She's like, no, it's the musical. I was like, so what? The, the film portrayal of the Trunchbull is the Trunchbull, period, of end course. of fucking story. So don't do it again. I don't need you to b stop adapting stuff from uh, musicals and bringing them to well, you're Nobody being, cares. I, I Nobody care. cares about musicals on screen. You're being an elitist because you got to see it and now it's closed. I did see it. And I didn't get to see it and this is my chance well, now. Well, they should have filmed it while it was on stage. I agree. That's always more fun, right? but they don't think about it. 
So what do you want from me? I think I just, all Broadway should th- be filmed and disseminated. I've pitched just you. Just leave Matilda alone. I've pitched it's you. perfect. My Broadway app that would democratize Broadway for people all over the world. Okay, so I'm with you. But it doesn't exist. So I need this. Sammy said... As you know, by now, I am a practicing PA, and I work in an urgent care type practice near Tulsa. We often see workers' compensation cases for the multitude of employers here, and as there is an Amazon Fulfillment Center here, we see their employees too. I had occasion to see the same individual for several visits. The first visit and injury was a general overuse type injury that can be seen with just about any new physical job. Once they improved in several weeks, the case was closed and all was well. However, over the course of maybe six months, they came in several times with repeated reports of COVID exposure at work and work required a doctor's note to excuse them from work in accordance with their current policies. Eventually, I was able to get the truth from the patient after I remarked on my concern for their working conditions and exposure risk to COVID. They informed me that they really hadn't been exposed to COVID. Instead, they were specifically instructed by a manager to quote, go get checked for COVID because they knew it would give the employees some time off to rest their injury. That's really powerful stuff. There's stories like this all over the country. And 99 and I were talking about that bullshit Twitter account or the multiple bullshit Twitter accounts that Amazon put up to talk about, you know, fake workers that didn't exist anywhere in the country. Like, I love working here. My manager respects me. I never pee in a bottle. I always go in a bathroom. I get plenty of time off. But the anecdotes are so real. And just, I I mean, imagine living in a system. Well, we don't have to imagine because we live in a system where this, this exists. Imagine being sent to the doctor for something else that's acceptable to go to the doctor for just because your actual job type job is so brutal that you can't rest. It's just so shitty. Anyway, I appreciate that feedback. I can't relate to that at all. Watch it, young lady. <laughs> You'll get another Why are demerit. Are you handing me a bottle? Or I'll put you in the chokey. Ha! I don't accept your performance as Trunchbull. It was perfect. I'll give you $40 if you can name the actress who played the original Trunchbull. Trunchbull. No. It's the Trunchbull. No, she has a name and she's been in other things. She doesn't because she's the Trunchbull. Okay. You're missing out on $40 here. I would go to the ATM for you. It's not an actress. It? That's rude. It's the Trunchbull. Her name is? Trunchbull. Really? Nothing? No. It's Pam Ferris. Come on. Just don't fuck with Matilda. What has she been in? Uh, She was in Harry Potter, the third one. She was Aunt Marge. Okay. She was in this British TV show that I watched with my mom that I don't remember the name of. Wow. I will say the actor that portrayed Trunchbull on Broadway was exceptional. And now it's going to be Emma Thompson. We love her. We love Emma Thompson. I saw a Twitter thing that was like, do we need another skinny actress in a fat suit? And I was like, fair, but also leave Emma Thompson alone. Yeah, seriously. Is it a fat suit? She gets naked in her new movie with her little boy toy for the first time ever. Whoa. I know. Are you sure? Mm Mm-hmm. She's bearing it all in her, I think, 60s, right? Mid-60s, something like that. I'd hit it. Oh, 100%. She's the best. Beautiful woman. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for clarifying. (laughs) Yeah. Here we go. Sue. Isaac S. This is fun. Isaac S. said, I'm reading Capital and Ideology by Piketty. In it, he just covered how after World War II, European countries controlled inflation by raising taxes on the wealthy, which obviously reduces demand. 
So different circumstances, different time, Isaac. Don't forget that we were still on the gold standard after the war and we did not have full floating fiat currency or even a global currency as as Keynes had originally proposed in 1944. So I've advocated for raising taxes on the wealthy before, but not to combat inflation or reduce consumer spending, but to level the playing field and limit the ability of the wealthy to control the mechanisms of power. So Bezos is the perfect example of that, obviously. He is a tax evader who also has incredible influence over the levers and mechanisms of power. But reducing taxes on the wealthy, and I know this isn't a popular thing to say, but reducing taxes on the wealthy doesn't really do anything to curb inflation. Just like raising interest rates, as we'll see, only punishes poor people or the working class or the upper middle class. I mean, any any of the classes except the uber wealthy. Increasing those interest rates is going to be chaotic for the general public, but it's not going to be enough like it was when Volcker applied the tourniquet in the beginning of the Reagan administration when he raised interest rates to 20%. So there's there's so many different factors at play, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to the MMT episode. There are a lot of people that are blaming MMT and a lot of people that are blaming the influx of cash coming through the system a year ago by the fucking way for increasing inflation in the country instead of looking at the corporate profiteers. We're going to talk a little bit more about that hint hint this weekend. But bottom line is, as a sovereign currency nation, you can print money without overheating the economy because we've done that quite literally for 50 fucking years without it really impacting inflation. The reason inflation is going out of control right now is still related to 15% of the economy, of the global economy being offline, and that is the China zero COVID policy, continuing to impact some supply chain on big items that relate to raw materials. So steel, copper, iron, lumber, the big stuff that is required to do a lot of the early stage recovery type economic activities is still very expensive and very difficult to move around. Different distillates of fuel, very difficult to move around. There's some supply issues related to that. And all of that is is causing this pressure on inflation. How countries are responding to it is very different. So not everybody is experiencing the inflation that we're experiencing because not everybody, not every country has corporations that are seizing the opportunity to raise prices quarter after quarter after quarter and increase their profits. Once again, we go back to the example, the outrageous profiteering of the biggest companies that represent the consumer sector in this country is extraordinary. So they're not the same thing. And all this goes back to your original comment, which is, you know, obviously increasing taxes on the wealthy. As much as I think that is a good idea, because I don't think that we should have a system that allows for people to accumulate billions of dollars because every fucking time it happens, they seize the levers of power. And that's the that's what we have to try to prevent. Raging inequality creates a bad social structure. I'm not saying there shouldn't be rich people. That's fine. I don't care about that. What I care about is the fact that they can control our political and economic system to compound their gains and keep crushing people who are trying to access the economy and have some sort of upward social mobility. Anyway, now let's move over to something from Patrick McGee. Now, Patrick's, I think, been around with us for a long time, right? Yeah. So 
is a really good observation about the show. I want you to know that I personally am having tr some trouble keeping up with all of your offerings. That's not a criticism of you exactly, but if you're hoping that your audience is not just passively consuming your fine work, but rather are actively participating, you may be encroaching upon diminishing returns. Remember, please, that I'm retired and surely have more time than most. I know that you say we don't have to listen to each of your entries, but those of us who are engaging with you actually do. Nevertheless, I'm looking forward to phone a friend and whatever that entails. Thanks again to all three of you. I'm very, very conscious of this. And I think it's a very valid point as well. So Patrick, I appreciate you writing in about that. And it's perhaps timely given that I punted on this week's episode to make sure that it's of the highest quality. So we're going to run into these issues. And most shows, by the way, do take more time off than we do. They will have maybe seasons or the ones that don't take time off will have maybe reruns or they'll have the shows that are done by their producers or they have a writing team and somebody just has to come in and voice it. As you know, we're a very small team. There's just three of us. We have three very distinct roles and it takes all three of us to actually get this done. So invariably, we're going to run into those weeks where we're just not going to be able to bring everything to the table. And sometimes opportunistically, like it was with Danny and Derek, we're going to want to bring through external voices on the show or the topical creams, for example, when it's just something so burning that's out there and we figure that we have something to add to it, we're going to drop those as well. But I am very cognizant of everyone's time. And we've had this, this isn't a debate necessarily. We've just talked about where we put our energy, our time, and how, we, how we're going to frame each one of the episodes. And if the original intent of the show was to have these deep unfuckings, I mean, what is happening over there, 99? 99 is out of control right now. You know what it is? She got too much sleep last night. She's no, very fidgety. No, I'm just, I'm fidgety in general. I'm just trying to get comfy. I'm sorry. Continue. Sorry. So originally it was about these full on fuckings. We're going to do them every Saturday. And the quickies we dropped to sort of give me a mental break while I was preparing the bigger, you know, longer, fuller unfuckings. That's what she said. Sorry. So... I don't want my eyes to be bigger than the unfucking audience stomach. So I will listen to this and, and take this into, into deep consideration because it is something that had occurred to me, especially when we use episodes as building blocks. One of the reasons we split out show notes was to actually give ourselves more time to produce them, to really be thoughtful about our responses to listeners and to do them where we weren't always exhausted or where it was taking like a week to get back to people that commented a week earlier and we felt like that was too long. So I feel like we have a good balance with that. So for me, it's about quality every single time. But again, like this weekend, I'm taking it off with a, a to do a quick topical cream because I just don't feel like I'm going to be ready for prime time to drop the next episode that we're working on. So I hear you, Patrick. I hear you more than you think, actually, and, and I really appreciate you you writing in to say that because I think it's really important for us to all kind of communicate what we're doing here. As I've said before, the fact that you give me as much time as you do is just mind-bending to me. So I'm super appreciative for the engagement, and I don't want I don't want you to look at the feed and be like, oh my god, there's another one. I just don't I I, I can't take this right now. Unless you're just in a place where you just don't want to consume this type of political information, which we've said before, everybody needs to take a break when it requires some mental health. But it's a process and we're working through it. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. And with that, why don't we go to Adam W. 
Adam W. said, in celebration of Summer of Legislation, I can't recommend Congressional Dish Podcast enough for pod love. For each episode, host Jennifer Briney reads through hundreds of pages of legislation and or watches hours of congressional hearings to break down the details of what Congress is doing that almost nobody will hear about because the rest of the media only covers actions in broad strokes. That's fascinating. I'm all in. Do you think it's like a live stream of just her reading and watching? I don't know. We'll have to check it out. I'd be down for that, too, though. Just like eight hours of a woman like reading through a bunch of documents. There is some dude that I subscribe to that uh, really smart guy, but he just he sits down in front of he puts the camera on and, and he drinks whiskey and just talks. And it's like three, four hours long. And he just gets like drunker and drunker throughout the episode. And But he's really, really smart. Are you just FaceTiming with somebody? <laughs> You're looking into a mirror. <laughs> That's funny. Thanks. I hate you. Who is it? That's funny. So is the mark of a good joke. That's funny. Yeah, this dude, Jay Sexton, three. Okay. I don't know. Bourbon talk. Political Q&A. It's fun. All right. We'll link that. Okay. Laura B. sent along an email from Drilled, the podcast, about how it's called, This is not the first time climate has been part of the culture war. And it looks super interesting, and I think our onfuckers will really like that. So we'll link it in show notes, Laura. And then, while wow, you're just giving me a bunch of hits here. What? I'm doing a transition. Sheesh. Okay, so Darling Mickey said, I listened to the rap session on FMF Day, and I wanted to tell you once again how much I love all of you guys. Because you really did create a tribe of like-minded humans. Thank you so much for your hard work. It really means a lot to me, and I'm sure all of us onfuckers. Well, thank you, darling Mickey. And I know some of the people that you're connected to are like Knutes and then Bobby McDee and Nettie and all those good people and all those fine fuckers from around the globe. We love that you're all getting together. And one of my favorite things, by the way, is going into eavesdrop on that unfuckers at all group on Facebook because I'm old and Facebook's one of the only places that I know how to navigate. And uh, I'll go in there and I'll just look around and there's just some great shit in there. One day you're accidentally going to like something. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> So let's go. Speaking of Knutson, let's go over to Facebook. Knutson said regarding phone a friend, I love the format, though it felt loose. There was a focus Max leaned into as a host to guests in the unfucking space. That felt about right as a first go. The context I absorbed without doubt, due to UNFTR vetting, as do classic unfuckings in the canon, the conversation filled in some holes and helped solidify my positions on some issues. Perhaps a PAF talk on the weakness of the FCC could work. Knudsen has just been, he's been angling. He wants an FCC on fucking so bad. Just give it to him already. I'm sorry. I'm not yelling at you. I'm encouraging you. You're coming at me, bro. Well, you're going to, you're going to, you know, sing the praises of Knudsen in his Facebook group and not give him what he wants. You're right. I got to give, I got to give him what he wants. Yeah. All right. Add it to your a summer full docket. FCC unfucking, and I will research that on my time off. How's that? Sure. Okay. You hear that, Knudsen? Now he's trying to guilt you. He's saying, oh, I'm going to be off. I'll do research on my time off. Fine. That's not what I'm doing at all. That's when I do my research is my time off. That's how I enjoy my time off. Me, a beach, some beer, a book. Oh, perfect. And my family running around like nuts. So we appreciate that, Knutson. And uh, yes, we will give you what you want and what you ask for. So what you, what you, what you want. Now let's go over to general comments. What did James Q have to say? So James Q shared an article from Ryan Grimm at The Intercept. Love Ryan Grimm at The Intercept. And James said, it, I believe it dovetails into some of the conversation from show notes are on the left and organizing. 
great and to some degree a disheartening article. Didn't read it. Gonna link it because Ryan Grimm and James Q. It's called Meltdowns Have Brought Progressive Advocacy Groups to a Standstill at a Critical Moment in World History. So I will I will link that. Good stuff. And then Maria from Puerto Rico shared a photo of a seep uh, shared a photo <laughs> <laughs> of seashells a by seashells the seashore. <laughs> See, they they made me do that. They took me out in kindergarten, and they said, "Do that." And I lisped through the whole way. Oh. And they said, "You're fine." Dramatic. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't put me in speech therapy because you don't need it. I had a lisp, and I still have a slight lisp. You don't. Well, you can't you can't gaslight me into saying I didn't have a lisp then. <laughs> I did have a lisp. <laughs> I'm not trying to gaslight you. Didn't you know you when you, you were five. I know. Well, you just said but you, you don't have one now. But I did need it then. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry still, to five-year-old you. Thank you. I wanted to be there. I want. I didn't want to have a lisp. I mean, I'm sure it was really cute on a little me, mm-hmm. but on my seventh grade me, it was less cute. My little one had a lisp forever because she very early on knocked out her front baby tooth. Oh, no. Oh, my God. It was the cutest goddamn thing. Everything. I mean, just anyway, I, I missed think, that little lisp. I think I had a lisp because I have a space in my teeth and it was much bigger. And then it naturally closed over time and it got right. better. See, there you go. You don't have one now. I d- but well, I, still, I still, I apologize to five-year-old you. And maybe they were like, she doesn't need speech therapy. She needs an orthodontist. <laughs> I was maybe that's what happened. I didn't need braces. Right? I didn't even have adult teeth. I don't know. Weird. Is it? Kind of. What did Maria say? No, this is more interesting. <laughs> so Maria sent us a photo from a sheep sanctuary she came across in France. And Knudsen tagged, he shared it and he tweeted it because I think Maria shared it in the Facebook group. I didn't know how to get it to me, but I saw it, Maria, and thank you. So the sign, and she translated it, it said, Our little friends are well fed. The only things on their menu are rosé and grass. Our little friends are very docile. (laughs) They're scared of humans. Let them live their sheep lives. Three sheep live here. And it was so cute, and they're grazing. I hope it's rosé with cheese. Yeah, it's very French. <laughs> Just drink, drinking wine, eating grass all day, right? I mean, I okay, a bunch of drunk sheep. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Maria. I love, I love a sheep. They're definitely my second favorite animal. Oh, yeah, uh, the life of an unperturbed sheep sounds pretty good in France, right? Yeah. Just smoking weed and drinking rosé all day. Oh, eating grass, oh, not smoking oh, grass. This is so funny. <laughs> now over on the twitters. Orang coangulated. Every time you 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 coangulated. Yeah, there you go. Said Podlove Megacorp by Jake Hanrahan, UK journalist. Very critical deep dive on Amazon and complimentary to your own. We've got to be intersectional because the assholes sure as hell are. Oh, that's a good recommendation. Thank you for that. Podlove Megacorp by Jake Hanrahan. From the UK. Oh, so it's gonna it's definitely gonna sound smarter than whatever we put together. Amazon is a terrible facility. <laughs> That, that was really good. <laughs> that was great. You can't even take a piece. <laughs> you got to do it in a bottle. Okay, so BT Tree Monkey sent us a long thread. So here's an excerpt. So they said, what I love even more is I can go to unftr.substack.com and read the essay the shows are based on for free. Why do I love this feature? Well, I'm a slow processor of information. I need to be able to read, search the topic, comprehend what they're talking about, and have the ability to stand my ground on facts when faced with this information. Having the substack there for me to do this is amazingly helpful as I listen to the podcast when I'm driving. 
BT Tree Monkey. This is basically a commercial. I know. I'm I love so when happy. I love when people tweet stuff like that. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. And that is exactly why we do the voodoo that we do so well. Yeah. And then at Will Watkins, the four. You have to read the heading for this section. Oh. Okay. Now we get into a very unfortunate section that 99 is calling Mustard Gate Tweets. And These let's are just tweets let's about just mustard gate. Let's just get into it. Let's just get into it. I mean, it's I saw some of it flying by and I just I wasn't going to indulge it. But here we are. Here we are. At Will Watkins the 4th, hold. I am William Wallace. Said Max 99 is absolutely correct. Ketchup is a brutish condiment for uneducated peasants. Everything ketchup does, another condiment can do better. Barbecue sauce, horseradish, mustards, teriyaki sauce, mayo, ring sauce. What the fuck is ring sauce? Ranch. Know. A thousand ISL. Island. A thousand islands. Ah! <laughs> I'm so stupid. <laughs> you name it. Ketchup is trash. I will say, I think a thousand island is Damn. just ketchup mixed with like mayo. <laughs> right? So I'm going to disqualify that one. Okay. Because it's a ketchup base. But otherwise, I stand by everything he said. I don't like all of them, but... Horseradish, so under, so underestimated. It's improves upon everything. Barbecue sauce is my favorite because I have a sweet tooth. I'm not huge. I'm not huge into barbecue sauce because I think it's fine in like a moderate amount, but I would never like get a side of barbecue sauce. Not into it. But I will literally put ketchup on everything still. Well, you're still wrong because Sorry, Will Watkins. Neanderthal said 99 is correct. Mustard is superior to ketchup. Hard to take Max seriously on anything when he disagrees. Oh, yeah? Neanderthal? Well, MRide29 said. Corey S. Yeah. Fuck yeah, Corey S agrees with me. Said mustard is 99. So boom. But he's your only ally. For real? He also used your favorite emoji. Isn't that cute? I love that emoji. Yeah. Yeah. So G. Khaleesi said, 99 is right. Ketchup is gross. Oh, man, what what Knudsen say? Max, ketchup? I'm full on cheesehead, but that puts me close enough to Chicago to know how wrong that lame sauce is on a dog. Hashtag FMF. And W. Jeremy D. said, I kind of thought ketchup on a hot dog for a New Yorker got you tied to a steak and stuck on a northbound train. Why do you think I'm anonymous? <laughs> Damn it. It was that it? I really, I just, I lost that badly. Uh-huh. I'd, I would have put them in there. Where are my ketchup fuckers? Ew, we're not. That's not. That's not happening. That's not a, that's not no. a hashtag. No. What about your family? Do you have any? Are they ketchup people? Yeah. Ew. I just lost a little bit of love for them, and for you. Well, uh, yeah. No, my kids are big ketchup heads. Ew. Yeah. Well, that's your. I did that. <laughs> that's your bias. I did that. That's your implicit ketchup bias. Yeah. That you. Oh, it's explicit bias. Well, now it is because you're you're aware of it. Mm-hmm. I think it was implicit because you didn't. Re- you're. It only just became explicit because you assumed you were in the regular. Everyone liked ketchup. This was your implicit bias that you imparted on your children. Now that I'm showing you mustard supremacy, it's explicit bias. I feel so. I don't feel safe here. I don't feel safe in it. Dijon? I like honey mustard. Again, okay. I have a sweet tooth. Okay. 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 I'm, I didn't I'm, say I hate mustard. Ketchup is just superior. It can go not. on it. No. Okay. Eight out of ten unfuckers agree. Actually, nine. Sorry, bro. Ketchup. You know what? Maybe ketchup fuckers are the silent majority. We know because we know. We don't fuckers, need to yell as loud as the mustard fuckers. No, you fuckers know what it is? The ketchup we, we know, fuckers are over at Ben Shapiro's podcast. What? 
I'm gonna say it. Why do you gotta go there? White supremacists eat ketchup. That's insane. Intellectual leftists eat mustard. Who called me stupid here? Who said this was stupid? It's hard to take Max seriously on anything when he disagrees. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Will Watkins, a brutish condiment for uneducated peasants. Oof, God, that just—it's like a knife. I mean, it is. It's, it's a dagger in sugar. my heart. It's like you take a beautiful fruit vegetable, like a tomato, put a ton of sugar in it, and make it disgusting, and then put it all over. And everything. then mustard, you take an inedible seed, and you make it beautiful. I'll even tolerate yellow mustard. If you said I only like mustard, but yeah, just yellow, like the French's whatever shit you get at a baseball game, I'd be like, I accept you, but I can't accept this. Okay. What would you put on a knish? I don't. Uh, I I don't like knishes at all. Oh, so you just hate juice? <laughs> no, that's. I'm getting a clearer picture minute by minute. Loves hot dogs. Loves ketchup. Hates knishes. I lived above <laughs> or a block away from one of the best Jewish delis in the city, and I loved everything I got there except knishes. Sue me. What don't you like about them? It's uh, just a potato. I know, I know. It just, it just never. Uh, and by the way, to make it appealing, I would just slather it in ketchup. Oh, that's so <laughs> sacrilegious! You put fucking ketchup on a knish to make it palatable, yes. Because I don't like knishes. Okay, can we move on? No. This is fucking bullshit. You are attacking my culture. I am not. Mustard so that, is the you, condiment you guys, of my what, people. You grew mustard seeds in the fucking desert on unleavened bread? Show me in the Torah. Moses Show me in the Torah. said, let my people go, and he was holding Grey Poupon. This is obscene. This whole discussion is obscene. It's not. Ketchup fuckers are the silent majority, and we just don't need to okay, scream don't, as loud as you mustard fuckers. Why don't we move on fuckers. to this next first coffee donation? Maria from Puerto Rico bought a coffee. Said, Jesus Christ! Yes, 99, mustard is superior. They're even tucking this, this, this bullshit into the donations? Yeah. Maria bought a coffee just to tell me this. Oh my God. Nothing else should ever go on a burger. A hot dog ketchup is gross. Plus, it's just sugar. I know. I love how this podcast is evolving. Love the new ideas like this discussion, Maria. Really? <laughs> and I'm looking forward to listening to the first phone a friend. Well then, Maria, let us know what you thought of it. I hope you dug it. Rhonda K bought three coffees. Said, greeting, Max, 99, and Manny, I have an idea for a book to add to the bookshop. It's about fat phobia and diet culture. I know that this is a bit different from the other books out there, but I think if we want to unfuck our society, something needs to be looked at. The book is Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison, and we will link that in show notes. I think, I, I think it's perfectly relevant. Me too. Thank yeah. you, Rhonda. Good stuff. Nathan Surst bought three coffees. Just said, thanks for all you do. No, thank God. Thank you, Nathan. Sirst, I even thank Nathan second and Nathan E and, and Nathan R and Nathan. We have so many Nathans. Nathan H is who you're thinking. Nathan of. H, all of the above, all the alphabet Nathans. If we have a Nathan but, R, please come forward and claim your title. And Nathan Sirst, we do Will appreciate you. Will the real Nathan you. R please stand up? Please stand up. Please stand up. And Linny Lou is now a member. T O T, the old Turks of Ohio. Welcome, Linny Lou. I think Linny Lou must be related to one of our Twitter people because his name is the old turks mm, of ohio i don't know if it says that in his handle or in his name so let us know if you guys are related or if it's a star-crossed lover situation mm -hmm. oh wouldn't that be neat oh there that'll okay, be fun in the tenure of the show we will mar marry a couple a hundred percent it'll happen right if you fall in love from the show 
Max will get officiated, or he'll get, uh, what is that God, called? what a dream. Yeah, what is it? I'll become an officiant. Yeah, but what's it called when you get it? Uh, indoctrination into a cult of some religion? <laughs> Maybe. No, like the Universal Life Church, isn't that what it is? A Unitarian, whatever. Yeah. Max will get registered Absolutely. as an officiant. I'll be your flower girl. But why wouldn't you just be, why wouldn't you be the officiant? Because you started it. I could be a groomsman, right? No. You could be a, a bridesmaid? No. We could we could not be gendered about it and just be in a wedding party? We can't, like, you, force, We need to have official. Yeah, right? we can't force ourselves into their wedding well, in, I want to be everybody's friend. Okay. I don't have any friends in the real world. That's not true. Because all I do is read. No, you have friends. A couple. Yeah. Yeah. All right. One of them has been on the show. Who? <laughs> Bobby from Brooklyn. Hey, Bobby. <laughs> Yeah, Bobby from Brooklyn. He came in early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was early. Yeah. Got to get him back. (laughs) Okay. Jenny Weiler is now a member. Love the show, and I love the UNFTR coffee. Think it's great I can support you by buying myself literal coffee and buying you figurative coffee. Fuck Milton Friedman. Another commercial. Thank you, Jenny Weiler. Just Jen period is now a member. Been listening since around episode five. I finally got into a point in my life where I can give more, although it comes from working with a company and field that goes against my values. That's tough. Yeah, it is. But, but you're that's here great. doing the work, and that's what's important. Yep. Sometimes we have to do things we don't love for the sake of our family and for our livelihood. So we forgive you and we support you. She also said, as part of my job, I'm learning about Wall Street things, and in, in the study book, there was a mention of Milton Friedman, and I shouted, fuck Milton Friedman. Luckily, I wasn't in a library. This is very cool. Libraries are not as quiet as they like to say in movies. Yeah. Like college libraries, there's always some screaming basketball player who's like, oh, <laughs> is that offensive? Is that a noise that basketball players make? <laughs> in the library. <laughs> Just like big giant ogre <laughs> yeah. coming through the library. Oh, <laughs> yeah, scary. Where's the hoop? Why did you go into a share impression? Share? He turned into share at the end there. Scary? That was kind of. It sounds like share. Kind of. Really? Like a someone doing a share impression, not share herself. Oh, I was gonna break out into if I could turn back time, but do it. Nah, I'm a little stuffy today. Okay. Well, Patrick McGee became a member. Thank you. Thank you for all the times you've generously responded to my comments and feedback. As we did today. Yes. Matthew, Matthew H. H. Aw, Jinx. You, oh, shit. What? You owe me a Coke. No, you owe me a Coke. I know, I owe you a Coke. Yeah. Yeah. You owe me Coke. <laughs> More? <laughs> Gotta slow it well, down. I don't know how, who else to get it from. I know, but that's how I get you up for the show. That's true. I manage 99 like Elvis. I just get her up, and I jack her full of coke and amphetamines, and then I gotta, I gotta let her down easily with a, a good unfucking McFleshman stout, and uh, and some weed. Someone help me! It's all, it's just, it's Please. for the art. It's for the unfuckers. I'm blinking twice. Someone help me. Well, Matthew H is now a member. Matthew said, "I fucking love you." Brendan is now a member. I didn't know what to get my husband for Father's Day. Supporting your podcast in his name was the first thing that came to mind. We love to listen together and always enjoy your content and the conversations they spark between us. That is awesome. Brendan is the husband. So this is Brendan is the husband, the gifter. We don't know their name. Thank you, Brendan's partner. That's so cool. Yeah, it is cool. I love it. Do you want me to get you anything for Father's Day, Dad? What do you want? It's over. So every day is Father's Day. When you're a dad, I know. I, I ordered two shirts and a new pair of shoes. 
and I gave them to my kids to give them to me. Wow. And uh, wait, then why didn't you surprised. give them to me? I, I thought today was the day we were re- revealing that we were a dad and daughter duo. Oh, today? It was today, yeah. I thought we were going to wait for uh, our, you know, 100th episode. I don't know. Today felt right, right after Father's Day. Oh, sweetie. I know. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome. <laughs> Gross. Okay, so <laughs> Steve A. is now a member. This person's Canadian, so you can take this one. I know you love the Canadians. I love the Canadians. I'm Canadian, so it goes without saying my relationship with the USA is, ellipsis, complex. I think it's best summarized as your family with all the layers of crazy that it implies. Generally, where goes the USA goes Canada, and for the last 30 years, I've increasingly felt that we should have taken the left turn at Albuquerque. Listening to UFTR, not only has that impression been confirmed, but laid out in excruciating detail. Every episode is meticulous rendering of just one aspect of the extremely dysfunctional society in which we now find ourselves. In addition, your show has made it abundantly clear that Western civilization rests on the pillars of neoliberalism, capitalism, and unfettered individualism, and all three need to be shattered to the bedrock. Fuck free markets. Fuck capitalism. Fuck neoliberalism. And extra fuck Milton Friedman. P.S. Since you cannot ship the coffee to Canada, Please donate it to whomever you think would benefit the most. Wow. Very cool. Thank you, Steve, and welcome to the show. Did we get any, uh, oh, we did. We got a couple reviews here. What do we got? Pure Power Amstaff Crew said, Funny, brilliant, outstandingly produced, and holy smokes, how informative. This should be mandatory for all people starting from high school age at most. Also, let's encourage Max to bring back the skits that were removed due to some grumpy people's grumpiness towards them. We need more humor, but it's a great resource for anybody who wants to understand what the hell is going on in this crazy world of ours, with or without the Kamala parody. Good stuff. Will do. Sparingly. And Chip W. said, I'm confident that by an extremely wide margin, this podcast is the very best one available. Wow. Every episode is no less than a master's level thesis with a sound argument buttressed by brilliant interpretations of relevant seminal sources. That is very, very sweet. It actually goes on and on. Concludes with, Our only recourse remains conversations such as these and Manny, 99, and Max could not possibly be praised enough for their spectacular, consistent, and heroic efforts to build a space where we might all meet each other where we are. I am a hero. People don't say that enough. Yeah. And you know what? Am I your hero? She wears a cape. So this particular hero wears a cape. Now I've given away more of your identity. Right? So anybody that sees a blonde, curly-haired, glasses-wearing Jew Jew with a cape. (laughs) Honestly, Uh, it's pretty vague still. uh, It's funny. Could be a lot of people. I did get into magic when I was about 10. Okay. I had like a really cool magic kit that I got off some infomercial. I like begged my dad for it, begged him, and he got it for me, and it was like... Those those must have been great tricks. They were, you know, they had the fake thumb, I had the quarter thing. Yes. um, Balls and cups, what else? There was a DVD that came with it to watch how to do the tricks. There was definitely a scarf, like a, you know, like an endless scarf. I had a Svengali deck, but that was separate. Mm. Yeah. He actually definitely, he encouraged my magic, my magic, uh, you know... Hobby. I don't know why he decided, yeah, sure, be a magician. To keep you busy. There were no iPads back then, I'm that's sure. That's true. That's true. Or maybe there were. You are 14. I'm 12. You should know my birthday, Dad. 
I'm actually just talking stop about. Sorry, I'm just talking about you. Just stop calling me dad. Why? Does it make like you it. uncomfortable? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Because you want to be my colleagues. peer. And I'm and I'm hip. We had a. I think the the I'm biggest young. fight we had once was when I when I told Max biggest what fight for real fight. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna get into the biggest for real fight. But the the biggest fake fight we had was when I told Max once he was technically old enough to be my dad. He's very upset by that, and I was like, it's awful. I was just saying, I was just stating a fact age-wise. You would have been a young father, sure, but technically you're old enough. I don't like any of this discussion. See? So I'm putting this an end to a young This is why I have lady. daddy issues, because he's not proud of me. He's not even, he won't even admit he's really my dad. Oh my God, somebody make this stop. Just make it stop. It's so funny. Make this conversation go away like that. In a magic, in a magic kit. Abracadabra. Abracadabra. I wiped your mind. Remember what we were talking about? Hey, unfuckers, and welcome to show notes. Whoa. We did it. We'll see you on the weekend. Bye. What's with the kid wearing a cummerbund? I let him wear whatever he wants to wear. Those boots are the best. Who's are they? I know, right? I think they're Kevin. I'll have a hot dog with a mustard and a knish. Frankenstein, what do you want? 30 packets of ketchup. All right, 30 packets of ketchup. No, this stuff isn't getting to me. The shootings, the knifings, the beatings. Old ladies being bashed in the head for their social security checks. Teachers being thrown out of a fourth floor window because they don't give A's. That doesn't bother me a bit. Come on, Harry, take it easy. Or this job either, having to wade through the scum of this city, being swept away by bigger and bigger waves of corruption, apathy, and red tape. No, that doesn't bother me. But you know what does bother me? What? You know what makes me really sick to my stomach? What? It's watching you stuff your face with those hot dogs. Nobody, I mean nobody, puts ketchup on a hot dog. Three tomatoes are walking down the street. Papa tomato, mama tomato, and baby tomato. Baby tomato starts lagging behind, and Papa tomato gets really angry. Goes back and squishes him. Says, ketchup. Hmm. Catch up.